This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. I just want to start by saying hi. It's wonderful to see the see the faces of the people in your uh, in your sangha. It looks very similar in some ways to the sangha that I meet with every have been meeting with for, since 2005, in the sense that it's small in number, uh, and yet. It's a very, uh, it's a very delightful and um, energetic and wonderful uh, sangha, and it has lasted for quite a long time since its since its founding by our our founding teacher uh, Shoshin Bob Kelly in two thousand two. So um, as Shoshin Bob Kelly was um, knowing that his days and years and days were numbered, he kind of tapped me on the shoulder, you know, kind of like. We gotta, we gotta keep this thing going, and he kind of got me interested in um, being uh, priest ordained. And another person also in our sangha became priest ordained, and then uh, eventually, when our lovely uh, leader and um, teacher died, uh, I he kind of left me to sh Shokin in his will. It's kind of like here, you take her now. So now he now I I became Shokin's student and he um, it was with him that I did Dharma transmission. So that's a little bit of background. So yeah, we have the same we 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 have that home base at Rumanji Zen Monastery and there's been a lot of Dharma that is uh, is experienced in that setting. So it's probably kind of unusual that your guest speaker needs um, needs to screen share, but um, I've been involved in a in a project that's been really really compelling for the last couple uh, no, for the last five years longer than that but formally for about the last five years with um, uh, a very good friend of mine who is a painter named Marley Call. Marley and I um, decided to do and so thus uh, the painter means there's something visual about what I'm going to bring into this talk, and I want to be sure that I share uh, the full experience with you. Is everybody able to hear me okay? I just want to make sure I do a sound check. Good. Okay. So, um, so to make it really simple, I mean, it could be very complicated to try to describe all of this, but to make it really simple, Marley and I um, began a project um, that was really could be best described as intentional conversation fueled by contemplative practice both individually and with one another. So the contemplative practice for Marley was painting and the contemplative practice for me was Zazen and poems that arise out of out of my practice. And uh, the whole reason we got to talking about this was really around the great matter, life and death. Each of us, over the course of our friendship, have had um, rather serious um, medical diagnoses that um, put the great matter right in your face, right? It's, the topic for today is um, blossoms fall, weeds flourish. And indeed, a, a medical diagnosis is one of those great big blossoms that, you know, is, threatening to disintegrate in some ways. Life as we know and love it is threatened in some way by um, illness. 
And so, you know, we were both faced at different times in our lives with this dilemma and we decided to have intentional conversations, contemplative in nature, about life and death. It turns out that really we've done a lot more talking about life than we have about death. <laughs> but we also realize that it's all one thing and that, um, and that you don't have life without death nor death without life. So anyway, it's been the great matter that pulled us together in our, um, in our discussions. And as we, as we did our, our con con contemplative practices by ourselves, me doing Zen and poetry writing and he painting, and meditating, it occurred that, that there was some energy there that could be, because we're both interested in the arts, of course, that it could be uh, um, made into something that could be shared beyond just our, our conversations. And so it turned out that we made two books. Um, one was published in 2018. It's called We Sit to Honor This Whole Idea of Contemplative Practice. It's paintings and poems. And most recently, um, the, the book For Now, another collection of paintings and poems. So why don't I just start with, a, I'm going to start with a page from the first page of the new book. So here we are. Um, I'm going to have to minimize my screen here because it blocks out the poem. <laughs> so here we are. One day, Marley and I were talking not too long ago, uh, and I was saying, you know, ah, you know, Dharma, you know, it infuses our, our conversations, not explicitly, but implicitly. And it certainly is evident in his uh, paintings and, and in my poems. And I said, you know, I wonder what it would be like to make a Dharma talk using one of your paintings as my notes. <laughs> it's just like, a visual outline of, um, of a Dharma talk. And he, he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, and then I opened the book. I opened our latest book and I just landed on the first page and I looked at it and, I, and the first thing that came to me was <sighs> blossoms and weeds, dandelions, iris. And of course, immediately I thought about teaching in Dogen's Genjo Koen, which was a favorite of my first teacher, blossoms fall despite our longing, weeds flourish despite our loathing. That brought me further into this whole idea that this, um, this would be a really good uh, kickoff point or place to start uh, and also offer uh, the richness of a visual um, which I'll also be sharing other visuals during the, during the talk, uh, that inspires conversation, really, about blossoms and weeds. The poem is just what I call an observation poem. And it is long after dark. The garden is held with all things between cool moon and radiant earth. Just as a, uh, an aside, as Marley and I have done our contemplative practices, he painting and me writing poems, we've done this separately. So I've been writing poems, he's been making paintings, and the coming together of these poems and paintings um, is in some ways kind of random. Marley's poems, uh, my painting, 
Marley's paintings um, are, are what they are. My poems are what they are. And we've, um, in the first book, completely randomly put them together on the pages. And um, in this book, there was a little bit of curating. I brought my poems, I didn't write my poems about Marley's paintings, but I brought my poems into, uh, into contact with paintings on the page that might um, uh, elicit a little bit of, of, of interest might get the juices flowing around um, con contemplative practice. So this poem, um, actually, I'd like to offer a, a reading from um, David Hinton. This place, this, this garden that's held with all things between cool moon and radiant earth, um, is described by David Hinton as, he says, this heaven and earth cosmos is also the cosmos of our immediate experience. And if we don't think of heaven and earth as mere abstractions, we can see that heaven and earth are indeed an accurate description of the physical reality in which we live. The generative life-supporting reality of earth requires the infusion of energies from heaven. Sunlight, rain, snow, air, we dwelling in our everyday lives at the origin place where this vital intermingling of heaven and earth takes place. We're at the center of a dynamic cocoon of cosmic energy, an all-encompassing generative present. We're rarely aware of this wondrous fact, but for the ancients, this wondrous awareness shaped everyday life, everyday existence. And really, there's no reason it shouldn't shape our existence as well. This incredible place we occupy in the universe, this uh, encompassing generative present where uh, the, actual, um, the actual energy of cause and effect, I mean, we're right in the midst of it, and we, we are made of it. And we are um, able to really, when we pay attention, appreciate it and um, allow it to uh, allow us to live more deeply and more thoughtfully. So blossoms fall despite our longing. Weeds flourish despite our loathing. Shohako Okumura talks about this phenomenon in the following way. Flowers simply grow bloom and fall. Weeds also luxuriate and wither. Neither flowers nor weeds are inherently good or bad. They simply grow and live. And yet we humans are usually not neutral in our relationship to things. Since we enjoy flowers, we love it when they bloom. And since we don't like weeds, we're unhappy when they appear. And although we love flowers, they still fall, and we feel sad and disappointed. And as for weeds, they grow quickly and spread, and we become angry. What a, what a gentle way of describing being human. The teaching itself, using flowers, blossoms, and, and weeds, is, uh, is a, gentle, a gentle way of talking about something that's a lot more um, serious to us as human beings. I kind of um, paraphrased the, the teaching 
by saying uh, with, a, with a poem, <laughs> blossoms and weeds, they do what they do. They do not take their cues from you. Meaning, <laughs> our wants, our likes, and our dislikes do not drive outcomes in the universe. So this moment of reckoning, when we recognize, this is actually the teaching, the second noble truth. It's the teaching of, of um, the causes of suffering. So we move from blossoms and weeds to the causes of suffering, pretty well described by uh, in the second noble truth as um, actually wanting to cling to the things we love and wanting to get rid of or avoid the things that we dislike, ignoring the fact that the reality of the world is that it is impermanent. It's in flux. It's actually that generative present where all things are being destroyed and, and, and created simultaneously all the time, and we're just part of that. So when you fail to know that and you fail to know it in your bones and you still think that you can hang on to things, you will suffer. And if you still think you can get away from the things that you don't like, you will suffer. Not only will you suffer the, the things that you don't like, but you'll suffer that you can't get away from them. So it's kind of a double whammy on that side. So let's talk about the real life version now. I mean, we've talked about the teachings and the way they're taught and the poems and the, and the painting, but let's talk about what this really means. Right now, on a macro level, back, right now on a macro level, we are in the midst of a giant blossom and a giant weed. And the giant blossom is life as we knew it, and the giant weed is COVID. We want to hang on to life before this weed started growing in our bodies, in our communities, in our in our emotions. Um, you know, there's no there's no stopping the effect that COVID has had, um, and we tend to think of it in that way as something we, we would like to get away from, something we don't want to have happening, something that feels threatening. And of course the blossom was kind of this, <laughs> we were just kind of getting along in life and things were, we had it kind of figured out. There was, there were people that we saw, there were relationships that we um, loved. There was Sangha every week to come and talk to each other and and enjoy our, each other's company. And thank you very much. That's how we would kind of like to keep it. And in fact, we were, we've been unable to keep that. And thank goodness what we have is we have, we have this, we have Zoom, <laughs> which is one of our coping mechanisms for that giant macro level blossom and weed. But on an everyday level too, we have this, uh, this experience of um, my body, my thoughts, my emotions, my actions, and every so often this rude thing happens that, that jolts you out of your, your, your routine, jolts you out of your reality. One of the things I can think of that happens to me on a regular basis, and it's very micro, but on a regular basis, I'm a cook, 
And a lot of times I am cooking away, having the best time, making something delicious. And all of a sudden, I can tell I've cut my finger. It's just the most, it's like arresting. It is, oh no, life just changed. This is not wanted. I'm afraid to even look. I don't want to look. Is this going to mean, and then there's, is this going to mean I'm going to need stitches? Is this going to mean I'm going to need to drop everything and spend two hours at the ER? You know, all kinds of things can come up as I, as I reckon with the fact that something has happened. And I am now in a state of the unwanted. The unwanted has visited me. The weed is flourishing. There's a poem that I've written that I'll share right now that is um, about that moment. It's just another observation poem. So this is from an, one of our earlier books and the painting is called Loss. And you might think of that as um, Marley had something he was thinking of as he was, as he was um, painting this work, yet it has a title and it's, it's a, a work of art, so we get to bring ourselves to it and we get to wonder about it. And the poem reads, just wondering, how are you going to do this? The impossible has happened and everything has turned into something you don't want. You're in life as it is and it isn't what you want. The not wanting penetrates every cell and the spaces in between every cell. There's no one doing anything. In fact, it's the other way around. You are the thing undone. How on earth are you going to do this? I'm going to guess that everybody here has had this moment the moment when things shifted and all of a sudden we were in space of that we don't want. We are in the unwanted. We, the weeds are flourishing. Again, the good news that this is that this poem is a an observation poem and it's a poem that I think is about an important piece of life that we all experience. And the question is, now what? I get it. Something has happened. It could be each of us has that something that we're thinking of probably right now that we're familiar with that's happened in our lives. It may be a big thing. It may be a small thing. It may be like me cutting my finger again when I'm cooking. It could be the day I was told on the phone that I had cancer and that I was going to need surgery. Pronto. Or it could be that moment when in the, you know, watching my granddaughter play on the playground with both sets of grandparents standing around enjoying the whole thing with her dad swinging her on the, the swing set, her brother playing right by. The, the moment of perfection in terms of safety and happiness in a family until she let go of the, of the swing and fell and cracked her collarbone right there, right there. And all of a sudden everything changed. All of us hurt really badly that we, her family, could be standing around 
and such a thing could happen, right? But it does. It does. That's how life really is. So, you know, our, our Zen practice, our Zen teachings invite us to certainly recall that everything is temporary and that this is a moment and that we need to cope from moment to moment as things shift and change around us. But there are also teachings that come in handy at times when blossoms fade or blossoms fall and weeds flourish. You may take a minute right now and just think, how has your practice? How has your Zen practice? How has Zazen informed you at these, these moments where reality shifts from our liking to our disliking? What comes up? And hopefully this will be part of what we talk about as we, as we um, have our discussion, which actually could happen pretty quick here. <laughs> So I just want to say that as human beings, we really have two choices at a moment like this. One is to resist, and the other is to accept. I think our Dharma teaching is that we accept. But I want to talk just briefly about what that means. Resisting is the equivalent of just saying, that didn't happen, um, that wasn't supposed to happen, Attacking it like it was an enemy, like it, it, it's an intruder, this other thing that happened, it's, um, it's ruined my life, um, I'm mad about it, someone needs to be blamed for this, someone needs to be punished for this. There's a real um, kind of making war on the things we don't like that's, that's a pretty um, typical of, of human beings when we're threatened. So... There's resistance. Resistance brings up our energy to push back, to say it isn't so, to put things back the way we want them. The other option is acceptance. Um, and I'm not talking about wimpy acceptance like, oh, I guess that happened. No, because we are human beings and we have strong feelings about things and it's part of our genius that we have strong feelings about things. It's not about suppressing our feelings or suppressing anything really. It's about being the best human being we can be in the moment. So if we can be with the moment as it shifts and it shifts into um, the unwanted, the first thing we can do is simply notice it, see what's happening in our bodies. Ask, is there anything I can do right now? knowing that we can't do anything until we've looked carefully at what has happened. Right? So my, my granddaughter falls off, the, falls off onto the ground and is screaming. If I go, ah, ah, and, and turn my back because I just can't stand her pain, that's resistance. That's like, ah, you know, get me away from this. I have to go run to her, see what's happening, what has happened which your father beat me to it, of course, in this case. We had to look, look at what has happened and then take care of it. And of course, this is Shokin Weinkoff's great teaching that I, that I live with every day, and it is take care of your life, take care of what's happening right now. So in the moment, 
there's a need to look at what's happened. There's a need to see what's happened. A need to see what it's, how it's affecting us in our, in our bones, in our bodies, how it's affecting our thinking. And then remembering our Zen teachings, Avalokitesvara, Bodhisattva of compassion, Manjushri, Bodhisattva of wisdom, wisdom and compassion. We summon wisdom and compassion at these hard times. It's, it's known in, in Buddhist teaching as skillful means. It's okay. This has happened. How do I proceed with wisdom and compassion? It takes some presence of mind, and that's why sitting is so important. Because sitting is all about presence of mind. And if we sit, as we sit, we train ourselves to be present. So acceptance can't, shouldn't be confused with liking it, with rolling over and saying, eh, well, I guess it happened. It's like saying, this really hurt. This hurts someone else, and this is hurting me. And I need to stay present to this. And I need to see how I can proceed with wisdom and compassion, how I can be skillful as I navigate this, knowing that I don't like it. So good news, you don't have to, you don't have to like it. <laughs> but to reduce our suffering in life, we need to do more than just not like it. We need to participate in our lives and do it with presence, awareness, compassion, wisdom. And so everybody has their own version of these things. Everyone knows what they're what they mean when they when they address a problem with was, uh, wisdom and compassion, which is one of the things I hope we can talk about in the remaining time that we have today. You've been listening to a Dharma talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.